Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week, I'm very excited to have one of my dermatology colleagues joining me today, Dr. Azadeh Shirazi, and she is a practicing dermatologist in La Jolla, California. And I am really excited to kind of pick her brain about how she approaches cosmetic dermatology in her patients and also some of the cool things that she is doing in her practice. She's actually known as Dr. Ozzy with her patients and on social media. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Dr. Mina, for having me on. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, it's also great to have not only another dermatologist on, because I really love these conversations with my colleagues, but you are also a dermatology podcaster. So can you just briefly tell us what that's like? Well, it's a passion of mine to bring valuable information to my audience, my patients. So I started the More Than a Pretty Face podcast, which focuses on health, wellness, beauty, and we cover everything from interviews with plastic surgeons and dermatologists like yourself to my nurse and I that co-host, that helps me co-host the podcast. We talk about everything and anything, skin, hair, nails, and we answer a lot of questions from our listeners. And it's been really fun. It's been a fun project for me. It's always great to have dermatologists out there putting out really good scientific fact-based information about skin, hair, and nails. So that is really great. I love that. Tell me about your practice in La Jolla. What kind of patients do you see? And uh, what kind of things are you doing out there? Well, we are a fully comprehensive dermatology practice. We do everything from medical dermatology to surgical dermatology to cosmetic dermatology. And we see people of all age ranges and skin concerns. And we're sort of just anything dermatology related. My focus has been primarily on aesthetics and cosmetic dermatology, but Nevertheless, sometimes that terminology can be a little bit gray because a lot of things that people say, well, that's cosmetic, they're actually real skin issues. And I use a lot of lasers. I have a lot of toys. I call them my toys. And it's really fun to be able to practice dermatology with different technologies. You bring up a great point that there is this fine line, or really it's like a smudge line, right, between what is cosmetic, what is medical. And a lot of times insurance may not see it as medical, but they may think it's cosmetic, right? But we know that a lot of these skin conditions people have, they're medical conditions. 
and it can also have a cosmetic component as well. So in dermatology, it really is walking that line and being able to manage both. Absolutely. I agree. Tell me what are some of your favorite cosmetic procedures or some of your favorite toys that you have in your practice? Well, I'm very passionate about laser resurfacing. I think that would be the one treatment that I get really excited about whether it's resurfacing to help someone with acne scars or lines and wrinkles. We're in Southern California where people are exposed to the sun all year long. There is not a bad time to ever be outside, except just recently we had this hurricane watch. But other than that, it's always nice to be outdoors. And so we do see a lot of sun damage. And so I love using laser resurfacing. I have a CO2 laser, an erbium laser. I also have the non-ablative technologies to help with just rejuvenating the skin uh, using that technology. But I also love helping someone with profile balancing and just facial harmonization, I call it, meaning that if they have a strong jawline, but a weak chin, we help with bringing more balance to facial features. And I'm, as you probably are too, I'm very visual. And that's one of the reasons I fell in love with dermatology. And I love the creative aspect of using lasers or modalities like Botox and fillers to help bring more balance to whatever it is that is concerning the patient. That's great. There's so much I want to delve into with all of that. Can you just kind of walk us through, you have a patient come in and they say they're not happy with how their skin, their complexion looks. What are sort of the steps that you walk through with the patient who is wanting to do something to maybe improve how they feel about themselves? Yeah, I love that. So I have a very holistic approach when I see patients. I really like to get to know them as a person because everything that I present to them as options is really going to be based on not only what I see on their skin, but the type of person they are, whether they are looking for something really aggressive or, or something that is a little bit easier to dive into, whether they're skincare people or not, whether they like to use skincare products or you know not like skincare products. So for me, it's really important to first get to know what kind of person they are. And then I like to start with the skin, kind of get an idea of what they're already doing in terms of their skincare at home and recommend some products or a routine that I know will truly change their skin. And I always look to see well, do they have any underlying skin conditions? Like, do they have rosacea? Do they have seborrheic dermatitis? Are they breaking out? Because a lot of those conditions really will tell me what we need to work on first. Because if somebody, for example, is concerned about their complexion and they have breakouts and acne, but they want to work on their acne scars, first I have to treat their acne because I can't really laser someone for acne scars without first having the acne under control. And same goes with rosacea. You know, I really like to know, you know what they're putting on their skin and if their rosacea is well controlled before recommending a laser or any type of in-office treatment. So skincare is always sort of number one for me, you know, assessing their medical conditions on their face. And then we dive into what have they had done before, I kind of get to know their history and what's worked for them in the past. Because although, for example, an IPL or a BBL photo rejuvenation is a great treatment for a lot of people's complexion, it's not the right treatment for some skin types. And so I kind of have that approach of looking at the person holistically and bringing my medical dermatology knowledge into play, because I think that's really important. 
you really hit the nail on the head. And what I am all about, especially with my podcast and when I see my patients, that first and foremost, we're medical doctors. We went to medical school and we need to understand the underlying medical conditions of our patients. Do they have acne? Are they being treated for diabetes or other chronic health conditions? Because that is going to impact their skin. And then you made a great point. I don't want to treat someone's acne scars if they're still having acne breakouts, right? Because then we're just wasting time and money. (laughs) Well, that and inflammation will interfere with their healing. If I do a resurfacing case and they're having all these breakouts, they're not going to get good results because that healing is going to be you compromise by the acne. Sometimes just because something bothers the patient, you have to sort of delve a little bit deeper to see what's really going on internally, what medicines are taking. And I also love that you look at the person as a whole, because if you give someone this complex routine with lots of products and they're a minimalist, they're not going to follow. They barely wash their face. (laughs) So I'm not going to give them all these steps to do. You have to sort of meet them where they are and help guide them. So that's a great point too. And sometimes I'll have patients tell me, do I need this or what do I need? Or when we go over all the procedures that are possible, because we can do so many different things. We have so many toys and tools and fun things we can do, but patients will say, say, well, do I need this? Do I need that? And I'll say, well, you don't really need any of this. What's really your goal? What are you hoping to get out of this, right? Yeah. And you know, the patient's always the most important person in the room. So I really want to hear what are their main concerns? And sometimes somebody comes in and I really want to do like this deep resurfacing treatment and just go really aggressive to because I know they're going to get good results, but they're a little nervous and they've never had anything done before. So I'm not really going to recommend that just based on my opinion. I really want to get to know them and see what they feel comfortable with the most. They may not be ready for that to start. One of the treatments that I like to start someone on who is thinking about doing cosmetics, maybe wants to dip their toe, is botulinum toxin. Because I find that that is a great one to try out. It's not permanent. It wears off if they hate it, but typically they don't. And I usually joke it's a gateway drug because people end up liking it. And then they think, okay, I'm feeling a little more comfortable. What else can we do? So what are your thoughts on that? I love it. I think Botox is probably one of the most effective cosmetic treatments that we can offer our patients. It does so much, not just for lines and wrinkles, but it can do so much for the skin. It makes the skin look better. We can lift brows with it. There's just so much we can do. Like you said, it's such a minor procedure. It takes such little time, no downtime, no recovery, but you get such a big pronounced effect that it's a great one to start with. You can do this in a very natural way, right? Where people can still have expressions if they want or not. And I also have used this in people who sometimes have an asymmetric smile, maybe congenital from birth, and her smile has always been crooked, and I was able to correct that and fix that. And that kind of goes back to your point of helping facial what harmony, or what did you call it earlier? That bringing, yeah, yeah, facial harmonization. That's or- right, getting that balance back. And and so it's not always just to totally freeze and, and paralyze every muscle. Sometimes you can just do a little bit to just soften it if you still want that 
expression or to correct something that is maybe a little bit off just by being born, right? That's right. I really share your sentiment of just making the patient a better version of themselves and helping them with whatever it may be that may be holding them back. And sometimes patients will come in saying they want one thing. I'm sure you see this a lot. Maybe they have friends who have gotten Botox and they say they want Botox, but they are pointing out actually the lines around their mouth or sagging along the jowls. And what I realize is, well, they've heard that term, but they're not really familiar with what it actually is. And so then we'll sort of have a discussion on, well, you could do Botox. That's not really going to correct what you're looking to correct. So do you see that? Yes. And you bring up a really good point because we throw around words like Botox and fillers, but a lot of people don't understand the difference between the two, right? So for the audience, Botox is, we call it neuromodulators or neurotoxins that are proteins we inject into the muscle and it relaxes muscles. And by using them, we can relax some muscles and allow others to work. And you mentioned the asymmetry that some people have, and that could be an asymmetrical muscle contraction of the face, for example. Whereas fillers are sort of like implants that are a gel-based form that we inject into the skin to help lift or contour or add volume to certain areas of the face. So that is something that patients oftentimes get confused. And and so I wanted to just highlight the difference. That's a great way to to put it and help make it clear. Because yeah, it can get confusing. You're like, wait, when do I do this or that? And they've heard these terms. But I would love to hear more about laser resurfacing. And can you kind of walk us through what that involves, either with the erbium laser or the CO2? Just for our listeners, what is laser resurfacing? So laser resurfacing is really, the way I look at it, is just regenerating your body to make new, healthy skin cells that result in smoother skin, help with sun damage, with pigmentation, fine lines and wrinkles. We can also use it to sculpt the skin as in acne scars and and just scars in general. We can use it to help with texture and remodel the skin so that it blends in better. So really the two modalities you mentioned are considered ablative laser resurfacing, the CO2 and the erbium. They target water in the skin. And we can control the depth and density of the ablation, which is removing of the skin, by tuning the laser in different ways. And so there are ways that we can fractionate at the laser beams, or we can take off an entire surface of the skin. So that's where really your training and experience in using those modalities to help regenerate skin. When I do those full field resurfacing treatments, I say it's kind of like the alligator or the reptile that loses its tail and it's able to regrow it back. So we could do that with the skin. We can get the skin to reproduce itself in a very controlled manner. There's also non-ablative resurfacing where what that means is the skin isn't open. It's the skin surface is still intact and the beams penetrate into the deeper layers of the skin. And those are technologies you may have heard of, things like Fraxel or Halo laser, those are considered non-ablative resurfacing. They tend to have less downtime, less recovery, and fewer risks. And so we can use that spectrum of devices depending on the patient's downtime, the patient's skin type, what type of treatment that would suit them the best. And for these non-ablative ones, is it usually a single treatment or do you find most people need a series of treatments? Typically a series. I always tell people the deeper, the denser the treatment, 
the more dramatic the results in the right patient, that is, right? Yeah. But the fewer, the less downtime, and then the more treatments you may require. So if we do like fully ablative resurfacing in somebody who's got a lot of lines and wrinkles, we usually just do one aggressive session. Whereas if you know, we're treating fine lines and wanting to improve skin texture, sun damage, then it might be a series of treatments with the Fraxel or the Halo laser. And are these lasers safe in all skin types or is one safer than the other? Yeah, so that's a great question. Really depends on on the skin type. Sometimes we get somebody who's darker skin tone. And in that case, a fractionated erbium laser might give them the best results and be the safest because it doesn't generate a lot of heat. Whereas I would never use a CO2 in somebody who's darker skin because CO2 in general generates a lot of heat. Therefore, you're going to get more hyperpigmentation. But in general, darker skin type, they have more melanin in their skin and they're more reactive. So a greater risk of hyperpigmentation, but also scarring because darker skin tends to have higher fibroblast activity. And so along with that goes for higher risk of scarring. So we really have to be very, very cautious when we're treating skin type four, five, six, the darker, more melanin-rich skin. We can't just apply any laser to that skin type. And that's why, again, for listeners out there, if you do have darker skin, it's so important to make sure you really are seeing someone with expertise in these lasers because you can have sometimes, unfortunately, permanent disfigurement from them if they're used inappropriately. Absolutely. And not to say we can't treat dark skin because I do treat a lot of dark skin tone, but we have to be selective in not only the technology and the device, but the settings, how we prepare the skin before and after treatment. So all of those things play a big role in the final outcome. It's not just the machine, it's really the operator and the person's clinical training and background and experience. Dr. Oz, what about melasma? Are these patients candidates for these types of treatments? So as you know, Dr. Mina, melasma, I, I call it the diabetes of dermatology because it is a chronic condition and lasers oftentimes make it worse. I don't know what your experience is, but melasma is so difficult to treat in Southern California just because people, like I said, are out pretty much all year. And it is so sensitive to not only UV rays, but also visible light and heat, yeah. which a lot of people don't realize those can really trigger melasma. So my approach with melasma is I always start with medical therapy. I don't even consider doing any in-office treatments until we get them on a good medical prescription regimen and possibly add on some oral treatments as well with tranexamic acid, which has been a game changer for people with melasma. And then after about four to six weeks of getting them on a specific routine, then one of my favorite things is microneedling using tranexamic acid. And I love to do a series of treatments with that. I also love peels that are not inflammatory. We do one, it's called the Skin Bright Peel we do in my office that has kojic acid and tazeratine and uh, works really well for my melasma patients. But again, we're doing less intense, you know, very conservative treatments, but many of them. So treatment series. It's definitely not a one and done with melasma for sure. We in there, you know, we have to manage melasma every month of 
the year, you know, throughout the year, because then we change your, have to change your regimens around based on your response and time of year. Because as you know, in the summer, it really becomes more challenging. I'm in a pretty sunny area as well, but definitely not as sunny as you all. So <laughs> it can be sunlight is such a trigger, but also to your point, visible light, even heat and infrared, those are all things that can trigger melasma for people. So it's really impossible to avoid all of those things, right? So it can be quite tricky to treat it. And I totally agree with you doing lighter peels and also using topicals that sort of have mixed formulations with different things, uh, different types of peels, the kojic acid. I have not tried the microneedling with transemic acid, so I'd love to hear how you do that. We use it as a glide. Yeah. I know some people use vitamin C. I've always been a little bit more hesitant to use vitamin C just because I have to be so careful with melasma. If you get any sort of irritation or inflammation, it can result in worsening of it. So I have found tranexamic acid to be the safest and microneedling to be the safest because it's more mechanical. And we're not really exposing the skin to any light or heat it tends to be one of the safer treatments. But I know a lot of our colleagues also love the PicoSure laser for melasma. I don't know what your go-to is in terms of in-office treatments. Probably peels, to be honest, and a series of them. So yeah, the microneedling with putting on a little topical transemic acid, I think is a really cool thing and definitely something I'll be trying out. Yeah, let me know what you think. We had mentioned before about IPL and BBL. And what are those? Are those lasers or are those used to treat different things than what we've talked about before? Yeah, so IPL stands for intense pulse light and BBL stands for broadband light. And they're very similar similar technologies. I do find the BBL to be more powerful. So I tell patients, you know, if it takes five sessions with the IPL to improve your redness, your brown spots, your sun damage, then it's probably going to take three sessions with the BBL. And they're not lasers, but they're light devices. And they use filters of light to target specific things in the skin, like melanin that we see in sunspots, hemoglobin that we see in broken capillaries, because sun damage really gives the skin this weathered appearance. It gives the red blotches, the brown spots. It can really kind of make the skin look more weathered. And so by using IPL and BBL, we can clean up that sun damage, make the skin appear more youthful, just cleaner, and it makes the pores look better. And I know for the BBL, there's been some pretty good data on actually helping with collagen markers and more youthful markers on keratinocytes and skin cells when people have done BBLs over a period of time. So I think there's some good science and data behind just overall skin rejuvenation with some of these devices, not just removing pigment and broken capillaries. So it's one of my go-to, one of my favorite treatments. Now you cannot be tanned because that tanned skin, a lot of times will pick up the melanin that we see in tanned skin and it can cause burns and all kinds of complications. So it's one of those treatments I like to do in the fall, winter time when people are not out as much, but it, it's really a wonderful, wonderful treatment for sun damage. If we can boost our collagen and do sort of these preventative or proactive approaches, all the better too, right? It's not just for correcting sun damage. So I think that's really cool. And I know that that's been seen with some of our other devices and lasers as well. I 
just read a recent article, and you may have come across this as well, how non-ablative laser resurfacing has been helping with non-melanoma skin cancers yeah. like squamous cells and basal cells. So even though like we talked about earlier in the podcast, some of these cosmetic devices it can really have true health implications as well in making your skin not only more beautiful, but also healthier, which is ultimately as dermatologists, that's what we want for our patients is healthier skin. Totally. And I really think that when your skin looks good, everything else looks better. Even if someone just does nothing else but maybe clean up the brown spots on the face, even out the pigment changes on their skin and smooth out the texture. Simply doing that just takes years off. So a lot of times when someone comes to my office interested in trying some cosmetic things, maybe they've never done it before and they're interested, a lot of times the first thing I'll do is say, let's get your complexion under control. Let's even out your complexion. Let's maybe do a peel or some sort of resurfacing. And they find too, that you just look better when you have a nice, even complexion. Honestly, it changes people's lives. Like I see people come in after we've been working on their skin for three months, six months, they come in, they've colored their hair, they come in wearing makeup, they come in with a little skip in their step, they're nicer. That whole world changes for them. So that's one of my favorite transformation is just making a great impact in their self-confidence with just affects all aspects of their life. It's so true. And it's kind of like, well, you want self-confidence, but sometimes it's hard to have self-confidence when you don't feel confident about how you look. And then if you maybe can tweak that, then it can boost your confidence. So it is really powerful. And maybe some would say, well, you shouldn't have to change how you look to feel confident, but we're human. Absolutely. At least for me, I know when I have my hair done or I put on a nice outfit or I have a little makeup on, I do feel better. I feel more put together. And that's just how it is. Human nature. (laughs) And nobody can really deny that. And it's not vain. You know, especially women and moms, I feel like they feel guilty sometimes for wanting to improve their appearance. And I think that should never be the case. I think that it's not vanity and and women should do that for themselves. Absolutely. A lot of times we're both moms, right? And Uh and business owners and physicians and podcasters, but (laughs) it, it can be hard. A lot of times you're like dead last on your priority list, right? That's true. Taking the time out to help yourself feel better, whether it's a massage, a walk outside, or evening out your your complexion or or fixing scarring from acne if that makes you feel better and in that boosts your self-confidence then I'm all for that. Dr. Ozzy, so you really have your pulse on things that are new technology and the science behind it. What are some things you're looking forward to on the horizon for dermatology and devices out there? Is there anything you're kind of eyeing? Yeah, I think there's a lot that I, you know, I love innovation and I love always looking out for the latest changes in how dermatologists even evaluate the skin. And I feel like that's really changed over the years. You know, before we used to think fillers, 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 add volume, add volume. But now I think there's a focus on biostimulation and not just replacing the volume, but getting your skin to regenerate you know, the collagen, the elastin, and, and some of the things that we lose as we age. So biostimulation, whether it's using Sculptra, which is an injectable that is not a filler, or even this hyperdilute radius. I don't know if you've heard of that using calcium hydroxyapatite, 
I think it works so well. I love mixing it with PRP and hyaluronic acid along with the dilute radius. And I found that it works so well for skin tightening on the face, the neck, the chest, even like the knees and around the elbows and the arms, as well as threads, which work very similar to Sculptra. So I think that whole biostimulation wave that we are paying more attention to is exciting. I have also been looking at a way to remove tattoos without lasers. And this is using a fractionated mechanical technique. And have you had any experience with this? Because when I bring it up to derms, they say, oh, yeah, that's the like the Cielo abrasion that use the acid and it leaves horrific scars and this and that. No, I am not familiar with this. Well, I had access to lots of lasers for tattoos for many, many years. I worked with Vic Ross. I don't know if you know who he is Uh out in San Diego here. And I just was so frustrated with laser tattoo removal because it didn't catch all the colors. It would take 10, 15, 20 sessions. So the past year and a half, I've been working with this company called Rejuvitech and we are removing tattoos in fewer sessions. And the mechanism behind it is using a almost like a dry brush in a fractionated pattern that allows for your body's natural healing powers to expel the ink from the skin. And it really works really well. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to replace lasers, but I feel like this is another area that I'm exploring for tattoo removal. It's great for somebody who has red or green, some of these really resistant colors. And then the last thing I would say would be exosomes. I don't know if your practice has any experience with exosomes, but I know they have been a really hot topic in a lot of the meetings I've attended in the past year. But exosomes, for the audience that may not know, we used to think they were wastes, right? We used to think they were these vesicles that would transmit different cargo between cells. and But now we're finding that they may have potential in regenerating skin components. And so we've been using them post-laser. It's illegal to inject them in the United States, but we've been playing around with them for laser resurfacing because that's when the skin is open and they can penetrate into the skin layer. So those are some of the things that I've been interested in lately. That's really cool. I was just actually listening to a talk about exosomes this morning on my right. And as someone who does a lot of surgery, I was thinking that could be a great, if we could incorporate this into wound healing and help with scarring, that could be a really cool thing as well. And also to your point, post chemical peels, post laser treatments, things like that. So I'm with you on that. That sounds like something really cool. And I'm definitely keeping my eyes and ears out for that. Yeah, we still have some way to, a ways to go because we need the FDA behind it. It's not FDA approved for injections, but I think there's a greater chance of it working if you're using it once the skin is open, like after a laser or a peel or some treatment that allows it to absorb. Well, Dr. Ozzy, this has been a lot of fun. I have learned a lot. I know the viewers have as well. Where can people find you and follow you if they want to check out your podcast and also see what you're up to? Well, I'm on social. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Skin by Dr. Ozzy. And I also have a skincare line called OzzyMDSkincare.com, as well as my practice website is LaHoyaLaserDerm.com. I'm in San Diego. Well, wonderful. Well, I will definitely include that in the show notes and uh, everyone be sure to follow 
follow Dr. Ozzy and check out all the cool stuff she is up to. I really appreciate you being here. This has been a lot of fun and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends. Skin Reel.